been here before, actually. I don't know if anybody noticed. I didn't raise my hand whenever they said first time guests. Grand Haven's kind of our second home. Uh, we come over as often as possible. Do you have a second home here? No, I don't have a second home here. <laughs> but I'm praying. I might, I, ha- I, I, I might have to plant an unusual seed today to trust God for a second home in Grand Haven. You know, it, it's funny. I, I'm, I sound like I'm kidding, but I'm really not. Uh, a prophetic word was actually given to me recently. It said, make your list big. Like, don't be, don't be frugal. And this is in front of our whole church, and, and this, this, this prophet, Dick Mills is the man's name. He's given, he said, where's the youth pastor? Where's Josh? And uh, he was actually on Skype, and he gave me this prophetic word. He said, make your list big. And so I haven't put a Grand Haven home on the list yet because I'm trying not to be that fleshly, but it's back there. Like, <laughs> like it's back there. I'm, I'm, as soon as the Lord gives me the okay, I'll put that on my list and start trusting the Lord. But no, we come over as often as we can, and uh, you know, Sunday's a work day for me, so usually it's not Sundays, but one Sunday it, it was a couple, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, and, and my wife and I came and worshiped with you on a Sunday morning, and, and uh, I, you know, it's interesting. We, we came in, and um, I was telling my wife about you, Pastor, and um, I, I said, I said, he's super, super kind. He's super nice. Like he makes me, he makes me feel comfortable, and he's so disarming. I said he's a perfect senior pastor role, like just personality and and character. And so that day, I said, let's let's plant a seed in, in Ben's life. And some of you might remember this. It was the weekend that you wiped out on your bike and cracked your helmet, and your wife wanted you to go to the emergency room, but you showed up here to preach instead. And uh, so I don't know if anybody remembers that, but I remember, um, and this is going to, I, I, I'm, I'm going to segue this into a verse. I'm not just, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to boast a little bit, but this is not, this is not for me. But, but I reached in my wallet, and I just grabbed the first bill, the only bill that I had in there, and we were on vacation, so it was, it was a bigger one. And, and I wanted you to know, I, I sewed that into Ben's life, not, not to show off and not so that he'd ask me to come back and speak, but because when you plant a seed in something, you get to reap part of the harvest of what's coming from that work or that individual. And I wanted to reap some of that harvest. I wanted, I wanted to be disarming. I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted people to trust me and love me. And I could see that your people did that. Do you take good care of your pastor and his family? I hope that you do. I hope that you do, because God's word actually tells us to do that. First Timothy chapter uh, 5, verse 17 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of, a dub- of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And we're going to be looking at Galatians 6 here in just a moment. Galatians 6 gives us some more instruction on how to take care of, of pastors and teachers and those who are in authority over us. I brought some other pictures uh, before we get into Galatians 6 that I wanted to share. Uh, Pastor Ben said I was from a missions family. My, uh, my missions, there's my grandfather. Uh, my heritage goes back, to, go back to the, the first one there, just, just James Earl Wellborn. Uh, my grandmother recently told me this, that I'm a seventh generation preacher. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Seventh generation, so all the way back. And, and uh, James Earl was my dad's dad. I never met him. Well, I did meet him, but I was only about six months old. He passed away. But he grew up in southern Alabama. Are there any southerners here? Any southerners here? Okay. Well, from what I understand, no southerners here for those who are looking around wondering. Um, he was from southern Alabama. And um, on on, uh, I believe on his wife's side, his, his wife, my grandmother, got saved, or her family came to the Lord. They were moonshiners in northern Alabama. And, uh, yeah, like, like, the, like, you ever watch the Dukes of Hazzard? Yeah, like, they, moonshiners are the ones that invented NASCAR. I mean, like, <laughs> they were the real thing, and they were, they were heathen, heathen, heathens. And then that family got saved. They moved to southern Alabama. She met my grandfather. He was, he was kind of one of these guys that did everything. He was he wasn't just bivocational as a pastor, but he pastored and he planted churches all over southern Alabama and west Florida. Uh, helped build the, uh, the Alabama District Youth Camp, so if you ever go there for any reason, you'll know that he helped to do that. Uh, he always had a car lot on the side, um, always doing multiple, multiple things. But there came a point in his life when the Lord said, eh, uh, you know, I want you to do one thing and I want you to go. I want you to go. So he took this southern boy who was married to the granddaughter of moonshiners and called them to be missionaries, and this would have been in the late 60s, early 70s, called them to be missionaries in Alaska. This was just before they built the uh, Alaskan pipeline, or, or maybe it might have been, been during, I don't really have my history straight on that. But if you know anything about Alaska, you know that the state really took off once that pipeline came in. Thousands upon thousands of people came to get jobs there, to work there, and the population doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and Anchorage now is a major city. But 
So he goes to Alaska, and you can show some of the other pictures now. There's my grandmother in the middle and my aunts, and, you know, they got their, their Eskimo-looking coats on. Show, show another one there. Uh, so there, there's, there's my grandfather standing. Uh, and I'm not sure what that is in the background, but, but show, show, the, uh, show the speed of light vehicle. And that was his speed of light vehicle that he got to drive, and they were in, they were in a village called Bethel. A uh, village called Bethel, and in the winter of 1975, or uh, winter 1975-76, um, had a heart attack in in Bethel. They the the weather was so bad they couldn't get him out. They couldn't get him proper medical care, but he died on the table of a little clinic in an Eskimo village in Bethel. He was in the process of trying to raise money, just like you guys are building tabernacles in Alaska. He was in the process of trying to get a boat to go upriver to meet Eskimos who, summertime, the only access to their uh, village, they didn't even have a landing strip. You had to land in Bethel on you know, one of these little bush planes, and then you would take a boat up, upstream to, uh, to get their supplies and things. So, And then, of course, in the winter, they could use snowmobiles and dog sleds and things like that. But he literally died on the mission field and gave his life trying to be obedient to what God was calling him to do. When God calls you to do something, when he tells you to do something, if the Lord tells you to take three steps, you take three steps. Two steps would be disobedient. Five steps would be disobedient. When the Lord calls us to do something, we do it. That's my background. These things come very, very natural to me. Giving and missions comes very, very natural to me. Uh, the question, I don't, I, don't, I don't ask the question, you know, should I give? I don't know. Can we give? You know, how much money do we have? Do we have any money? You know, are we going to be able to pay the bills? No, the question is not, should we give? The question for us is always, how much? How much should we give? How much should we give? Again, I'm not here to just talk about money today. I really desire for you to reap amazing blessings in your life. Amazing blessings. The principle of the harvest, the law of the harvest, is what we're going to talk about today. I skipped over a verse that I want to just take a minute to share with you. Um, Roman, or Galatians chapter 6, that's where we're going to be spending some time today. Verse 6, it says this, Those who are taught the word of God should provide their teachers, sharing all good things with them. It's appropriate for those who sow into your life to reap something from you. And like I said, when you sow into their life, when, when they reap from you and you're sowing into their life, then you get to reap something back, and you get to be blessed by their harvest in their life. And so today, the law, the law of the harvest, the law of the harvest. This is, this is stuff that, you know, as far as Satan's radar goes, these are like his least favorite thing, things for Christians to talk about. He doesn't like Christians to talk about missions. He doesn't like for Christians to talk about giving. He does not like for Christians to talk about reaping and sowing because he understands the law of the harvest. He gets it, and he's afraid that if we get it, then we'll use it to defeat him and stop what he's got planned for our communities, for your soul zone, for my soul zone. We refer, uh, Mount Hope, we refer to the, the radius around our community. We refer to it as the soul zone. And we pray for other churches in the soul zone. We pray for salvations all over the soul zone because our investment is not just, you know, in our local body. Our investment is in the entire community and, of course, the world through missions giving. Our teenagers, I'll brag on our teenagers for just a minute. Um, did you say I was a youth pastor? Yep. I'm, I'm the youth pastor at... at uh, at Mount Hope, and um, uh, our teenagers were, were number 10 in the nation last year for, for missions giving. They gave over $51,900 last year uh, to, to missions, and yeah, so so proud of them. So amazed um, at, at, at what God's able to do through children, through teenagers, and uh, your children's ministry, your youth ministry. Love them, invest in them, encourage them. Uh, get your children involved in them, get your neighbor's kids involved in them, get your uh, people you don't like's kids involved in them, because then they'll get saved, and then you guys can be buddies. So the law of the harvest, it's true in the natural world. Uh, Proverbs says that the law of the harvest is true in friendships. He who has friends must first find himself what? Friendly, right. So we want to have friends, we need to be friendly. Uh, we want... Uh, we want to be smart. We need to study. It's, it's, uh, Paul, you know, t says that it's true of our money. You know, the measure that we give, it will be given unto you. So we know this law of the harvest is at work. Any, any farmers here? I don't know. None. Everybody's, we're all beach bums. No, that's what I, I can't. This is the first time I've been to Grand Haven, or this part in the off season, so it's totally different, right? Yeah. 
I might cruise down to the beach this afternoon anyway, just to get my fix. Um, but we get it though, right? You know, we know that when we plant something, it, it, it grows. Uh, sowing seeds, sowing seeds in, in the ground, you know, will yield, a, will yield a crop. Sowing seeds into a ministry that we want to connect with, as I mentioned earlier, we will be able to tap into their harvest. Um, the idea of, of saying I will give when I get uh, is not consistent with the law of the harvest. Um, you know, thinking about planters, I asked if there are any farmers, and, and there aren't any, but, but we get that right. You know, saying that, uh, you know, you, you can till a patch of land and on your property and, and, and wait for something to grow, but unless you plant seeds in it, you're not really going to be getting anything. Expecting something to grow when nothing's been planted is, is ridiculous. It's inconsistent with God's law. It's inconsistent with the natural law. It's inconsistent with sensibility. But sitting there waiting for something to come forth and even praying for something to come forth when nothing's been planted doesn't make any sense. Asking God to provide when nothing's been invested doesn't really make any sense. Um, asking God to change thinking or to change mindsets doesn't happen when we don't have anything invested or anything planted. Here's a couple of principles about the, the, the law of the harvest. First one is this. You reap in a different season than you sow. You reap in a different season than you sow. And I want everybody to understand this one today. If you'll, if, if you'll apply these to your life, if you'll get these, if we'll uh, make practice of them, God will pour out blessings on us. And again, I'm not just talking about money today. You know, personally, as I, I had my son here with me this morning, he's seven years old, I want him to serve the Lord when he grows up. Like, I, those of us that are Christian parents in the room, we want nothing, I, more than a good education for him, more than for him to be successful in business or, or ministry or life or whatever God calls him to, more than him having a happy marriage and making beautiful grandchildren for me someday, more than any of that, I just want him to serve the Lord. And if he was here, he would tell you that every night when we pray together, the last thing I always pray is that I say, I, I pray and help Isaac to love you. And he always finishes his sentence for me every day. Help Isaac to love you every day. So I'm sowing seeds now. It's the reason I brought him with me this morning. You know, it's not, it's, he actually, I, you know, I made a joke. I said that it was helping my wife by taking him here. So she had one less kid to look after, but, but really he would have been a help to be there today. But it was important to me to make an investment in him so that he can see this is what we give our life to Isaac. This is what we give our life to. Now, maybe you're not in full-time ministry. And so you wouldn't say, well, how am I supposed to take kids and go do full-time ministry? No, but they need to see you involved in ministry. Biggest piece of advice I can give to parents after doing 12 years of full-time youth ministry and, and being in youth ministry prior to that, uh, my whole life really, because my dad was a youth pastor, youth evangelist, still in youth ministry to this day. The biggest piece of advice I can give to you is get your kids involved in the ministry that you do. That last part's pretty important. The ministry that you do. You're like, well, I don't really do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, do something. Listen to the Lord. Find out what God wants you to do. Hey, what's your name, buddy? The drummer? Sam? He's doing it already. Did you guys see Sam up here playing drums? Well done, my friend. That was amazing. So good. And I don't know if your parents are here or not, but good job. Was that? Oh, they're doing it together. You see how that works? You see how that works? Well, I don't know how to play an instrument. Then go change diapers in the nursery. He's shaking your head. <laughs> uh, do something. Anyway, that's, that's my little tidbit for those with kids. My big, my big ministry advice. You know, anymore, because I used to try and help parents with, with parenting advice and stuff. I don't anymore. I just say, you got to pray. Yeah, we've done that. You got to pray some more. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we can pray anymore. And then it's time to fast, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we, fa we fasted lunch. I'm like, yeah, you got to do more than that. You got to do better than that. You know, so anymore, that's my big piece of parenting advice is prayer and fasting. And that's what my parents did with me, and, and uh, I'm really, really thankful that they did. But you reap in a different season than you sow. And in a culture of uh, immediate gratification, this is a really difficult one to get a hold of. You reap in a different season than you sow. You sow a seed, you wait. You sow more seed while you wait. You keep sowing, you keep sowing, you keep sowing. And Pastor Ben, you might remember this one, John Lindell at James River, the church that we attended in college that you made reference to earlier, he used to say, give as much as you can, as fast as you can. 
And I, as a college kid, I was like, as much as I can, as fast as I can, Pastor Lindell, I don't have anything to give. And what I have, I thought I was going to buy some Taco Bell with later, you know. <laughs> but give as much as you can, as fast as you can. And at the time, I thought he was just trying to raise money for his building or, or, or meet his missions goal or whatever. And, uh, you know, because I trusted him and things like that, I would do it anyway. But now that I understand the law of the harvest, the law of reaping and sowing, I understand that when you sow as much as you can, as fast as you can, that means you're going to reap often and reap quick, more faster. Get that seed in the ground so that it can grow. God gives you seed. What good is it going to be just carrying it around, walking around with it? Well, I got all this seed. Wait to carry it around. Look at all the seed we got. You know, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to make pumpkin seeds with it. We're going to we're going to roast them up, put some salt on Oh, we got sunflower seeds. We're going to eat them and put them, we're going to make trail mix. No, get that stuff planted. I'm speaking allegorically. <laughs> got to get that stuff planted. And the sooner you plant it, the sooner you grow. The more you plant, the more that'll grow. It's true. It's true and it's exciting. And I love it. I'm so, I'm so thankful that I don't have to figure out how to multiply what God has given me to invest in. The, the parable of the talents, that used to always stress me out. You guys know the parable of the talents? You know, the one guy plants it in the ground, and I go, oh, good, that's probably what I do. Just keep it safe. Don't lose the master's money. But then he gets in trouble later for not. At least put it on, at least put it on loan with the banks. You know, then you get some interest. But then the other guy's multiplying it over and over again. And I'm just going, oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. But with God, you don't have to feel that pressure. You just have to be obedient to sow seed. To sow seed. It's so much easier to... to put money into a church in Africa, a tabernacle in Africa, than it is to look at your stock portfolio and go, okay, what should I move today? <sighs> any, any commodities people, anybody really into silver lately? No, nobody? Okay. S silver is one that, that uh, my, my, my friends and these are ministry people are telling me, buy silver. My money's tripled in the last three years. And it's true, but silver took a huge dive recently, and I was, I'm just like, I don't think I can buy silver. I mean, it's just going down, down, down. Some of you nodding, you know what I'm talking about. But I can put money into a tabernacle because I know God's kingdom is not going to go down, 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 down. Amen. You know, and when I give to God, he's going to shoot it right back to me. You reap in a different season than you sow. Um, this is also true uh, with sin. You know, this is also true with negative things. Um, you reap what you sow. You've heard the expression, what goes around comes around. It's a spiritual principle. It's actually, it, it works, not just a 70s rock, rock song. Um, you reap what you sow with your attitude. You reap what you sow with your words. You reap what you sow with, um, you know, what you input as far as entertainment or or where you spend your time online, or the music that you, that you listen to, you're, you're making an investment in those elements, and those elements are going to yield a return in your life. And, uh, and if you're doing things, everything you do is planting seed. I every decision you make, you're planting seed in something. You know, your coffee this morning, you're planting a seed. You're, where you're spending, you know, we've been talking a lot about money, but where you're spending money, you're planting a seed. You know, Pastor Ben, you're in amazing shape, and you do marathons and tri triathlon. Get, or you're getting, but what's the one you're getting ready to do with the? Oh, you just did it. Well, you inspired me when you told me about it. I, I ran five miles the other day, but and I was I really was thinking about you because I was like I gotta run five miles because I have I don't know if you remember this part. But my grandfather died from a heart attack. I want to sow some seeds of health so that I can reap a harvest of health. I want to sow seeds of of being in shape so that I can reap a harvest of being in shape. Now, now, if, if I were to spend my time, you know, <sighs> eating like an eighth grader, because that's what I really desire to do. <laughs> eighth grade is just like, that's, as far as eating goes, that's the best time of your life, or at least was for me. I just eat as much as I want. I just burn it all off by, you know, walking home from school. It's all gone. I'm, I'm just hungry again, you know. <laughs> like, I don't understand why my kids don't eat. Like, they're the pickiest eaters, and they won't eat. And I'm like, Isaac! Eat as much as you want, <laughs> you know? If I wish I could eat as much as I want. I just go crazy, you know? But he's so picky, and um, th there might even be some here, and, and you would say, you know, if you spend your time 
out partying and drinking, you're going to reap a harvest. So I say, well, I've been doing that. Nothing, nothing bad's happened yet. You know, sinners, are, you know, those who are in sin, because we're all sinners, but those who are, you know, living in a lifestyle of sin, I'll make that distinction there. Um, if you're in a lifestyle of sin, they're, they're famous for saying, nothing bad's happened yet. I turned out okay. My grandfather lived this way. He turned out okay. You know, mom and dad lived this way. They turned out okay. Sure, they had their downsides. Did you, did you hear harvest principle number one? You reap in a different season than you sow. So while you're sowing, everything might be fine and dandy, but when you reap that harvest later on, and it might be later when you have children, or it might be later when you're in a marriage, might be, you know, you wonder why so many marriages fail. I just can't help but think, you know, what were they, what kind of seeds were they sowing when they were single? You know, what kind of seeds were they sowing? Uh, that's why s- things like sexual purity and, and integrity and character are so, so very, very important because they will literally come back and you, you will reap that harvest. I need to keep moving on. Number two, you will reap more than you sow. You will reap more than you sow. Um, I heard this uh, thing about corn. One kernel of corn, that's, that's what you, you, know, you plant if you want to grow a corn stalk, uh, will produce a stalk that has three ears with roughly 600 kernels per ear. That's 18, uh, 1,800 kernels. That's 180,000% return on one seed. 180,000%. How many of you would like to get 180,000% on any, anything? Yeah, <laughs> an investment of any kind. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Well, that's, that's a spiritual principle at work. God wants to bless us to overflowing. So if you want a healthy marriage, sow seeds into your marriage. Better yet, find a couple that has a healthy marriage, sow seeds into them, and tap into their harvest. You want to have children that serve the Lord, look for people who have children that are serving the Lord and say, hey, I want to sow some seeds into your family. You know, I want to, I want to help reap some of that harvest. I know my wife and I are already, we're already doing that with our kids, and, and, and maybe it's because I work with teenagers full-time. I see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and, and like my kid smarts off one time. I don't hear a seven-year-old smarting off. I hear a 17-year-old who's going to walk out the door, you know? And so I'm preparing now, you know, for what is to come. And it's true with my son, it's true at work, it's true in your marriage relationship, it's true with your friendships, it's true how you spend your free time. You will reap a harvest, and you will reap more than you sow. And that's exciting when we think about sowing into God's kingdom, but it's terrifying when we think about sin. Those few lost moments while you're online late at night. Well, just a couple hours, just sort of stumbled on that pop-up ad and happened to click on it. Do you want to reap 187,000% of a few minutes lost on pornography? Do you want to reap 187,000% on a, uh, an inappropriate relationship with someone that you knew from high school on Facebook? Do you want to reap 187,000% on something that, that, that you know, well, that's, that's not good. And you're right, well, that, that little part, that's not good. And, and we can say that. But, but multiply by 187,000%. 187,000%. It's not just not good. It's terrifying and will decimate you. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap from the Spirit. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. You're sowing your attitude, your words, your actions. Everything we're doing has a multiplying effect. Has a multiplying effect. Number three. The amount you sow determines the amount you reap. And I'll, I'll make reference to that comment I made earlier about, you know, sow as much as you can, as fast as you can. Because you, you get that system going, and you'll be constantly, constantly reaping. Uh, as you guys are on your missions emphasis, I, I recently um, uh, learned something about a family that I know. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of, like, wealthy people, because I don't necessarily know what people's financial situations are. That's not something we talk about. And you know, in our culture, and that's all right, and that's cool, but I know this one family in particular, and uh, this is one of those stories I can share here, because if I share it at my home church, everybody know who I'm talking about, um, but they're ridiculously wealthy, and they don't flaunt it, it's just that I'm close enough to know 
there's these properties over here, there's this property that they wanted to bless, you know, the youth ministry with, there's uh, this amount of giving that we want to donate towards this cause, and, and, and it's just really, really ridiculous, and just to look at them, you wouldn't necessarily know, but as you get close to this family, you just go, wow, so I asked a mutual friend, I'm like, hey, what's the, what, what's going on there, he goes, well, he, you know, served with, you know, with, uh, you know, in a public service role for X amount of years, and, and took that money and invested in this business, which, blew up. It was one of those businesses that you like hear about now that you go, wow, I wish I would have had that idea. And then he sold it at the peak and, and made some other investments. And uh, so this, this mutual friend's telling me the story. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And that's, that's amazing that they're so faithful with ministry and that and they're giving. He goes, yeah, it's really interesting. They, and I just assumed they'd been at the church for forever, you know, because they're just that consistent and that faithful. I just assumed, well, they're just, they're just a fixture here. And uh, he said, he said, no, they actually, they actually came from another church, and, and the reason they left the church was because, um, and it was before their, their windfall, if you will, um, it, was in his, it was when he was in his, you know, his public service job, and uh, he said the reason they left the other church is because when, when things got tough financially, that church stopped giving to missions to try and facilitate the ministry back home more, and, and just even saying it, that's, that's not, doesn't sound like a bad thing. You know, well, we need to facilitate ministry here at home before we think about, you know, out. So, well, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It doesn't make sense if you apply the law of the harvest, though. It doesn't. And so that's just one story of one family who has been using the law of the harvest to guide them, and God is blessing them, and they continually, continually, continually. And I just go, God, I... And I don't know about you, but like physical stuff, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I, I came of age in the 90s, you know, Generation X. We were told our whole lives we weren't going to make as much as our parents. And, you know, that's why we were all depressed and grew goatees and got tattoos, you know. <laughs> Grunge music. Anybody, anybody, anybody kind of in their, their mid-30s and they remember the 90s like that? And those of you that are a little bit older, you probably saw us coming of age and you were just terrified because we all looked like we were depressed. And we listened to music that sounded depressing and we wrote, you know, stories that were depressing, and, and, you know, the, if you, <sighs> you know, we basically grew up being told, you know, you're not going to have a lot of stuff, and what did we do? We were teenagers. We didn't care. Yeah, well, I don't care, you know, because the boomers, they were, gr they grew up being told they could have everything, you know, and they could pay for it later, or let us pay for it, <laughs> you know, so it's not about physical stuff, and that's, you know, and again, it was, it was during the 90s, that, you know, the New Age movement exploded, you know, because people were looking for spiritual uh, satisfaction, and I, I stand before you today going, I, I really don't care if the stuff's taken care of, I just want to be in the middle of God's will, I just want to be in the center of God's will, and whatever the blessings I'm reaping from him, whether they be financial, or spiritual, or in my family, or relational, I, I just want to be in the middle of God's harvest. I just want to be reaping all the blessings that he has for me. The amount of, that you sow determines the amount that you reap. Um, actions, words, thoughts, your thought life. Uh, you let your thought life invest in fleshly, worldly things. Um, Galatians uh, Galatians 6.8 says that you're going to reap a harvest of decay and death. We're going we're gonna to look at those verses in just a moment. I didn't mean to leave those out at the beginning, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. You, reap, you, you sow into a harvest of forgiveness, you're going to reap forgiveness. I want to be extremely forgiving because <laughs> I need a lot of forgiveness at times. I want to be extremely graceful with people because I need a lot of grace at times. Um, I want to be extremely merciful uh, I, I want to have good friends, so I want to be a good friend to people so that I can reap. Oh, look, they're all coming up. I should probably read them in order. I, I gave my notes to Joshua, like, right before service, and he made this out of it, so thank you. You're amazing. You're a champion. Um, I want my, you know, I want my marriage, you know, like I said, I want my marriage to be successful and blessed, so I'm going to plant seeds into marriage, mine and healthy other healthy marriages. Uh, you know, Maybe you're a business person. Uh, maybe you work for someone else. You want to be successful in those things. You need to sow seeds into those things. Sow seeds into those things. Recently, uh, I've been teaching our youth leadership team about conflict. 
um, about dealing with conflict and handling conflict. Our, our context is, is, you know, pretty much among teenagers, so you get a lot of, you know, drama and, and he said, she said, and breakups and stuff like that. And, and, uh, but sometimes, every now and then in youth ministry, you get parents involved. And I recently was in a parent thing where you've got parents saying things about other parents that I'm just like, <laughs> you have to stop. You know, you're talking about another Christian, not just someone at this church. You're, this is somebody you've got to rule and reign in eternity together with. And, uh, and I know this doesn't happen at the Gateway Church, but when you've got believers bickering with each other, when you've got believers saying negative things about each other, it's like, oh, no. Like, I just want to tell them, just put the brakes on and stop saying what you're saying because you're planting seeds right now that are going to reap a harvest in your own life. I avoid, I, I see a big giant red flag when I'm around anybody who starts talking negative about someone else. You know, at first, I first started noticing it as, as a kid growing up because I would find that those that would talk negative about others, eventually they'd be talking about me, saying negative things about me. And now as an adult, I know that Stuff that people don't resolve when they're adolescents, they carry on into adulthood and usually for the rest of their life. So I see this big red flag when everybody talks negative. But now that I understand the law of the harvest, I know it's even worse than it coming back to me. They're basically calling down curses on themselves when they come outside of the, uh, or, or those who step outside of spiritual authority. That's why we have, that's why, you know, in the New Testament, we've got this wonderful outline for how, what spiritual authority should look like with our, our pastors and, and, and accountability and our movement and elders and deacon boards, and I mean, we've got this wonderful umbrella for spiritual authority for us to stay under, but how many times have you seen someone step out from under that authority, and it's just curses, and more curses, and more curses, and it doesn't happen immediately. Why? Because we reap in a different season than we sow, but eventually it starts coming down, and when it does, it doesn't stop, because you reap according to the measure that you sow as well. So you could be sowing all these negative seeds for years and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, nothing's happened yet. I'll be okay. The longer you're sowing negative seeds, the more terrifying it will be. On the upside, the longer you're sowing good seeds, the greater it will be. And maybe some of you feel that way here today. You're like, I've been sowing seeds for so long, Pastor Josh, and I just... I just don't know how much longer I can do it because I just, I, I hear what you're saying. I read it in scripture. It's not that I disagree with you. It's just, I don't see it at work in my life. And let me say to you, friend, it's coming. It is coming. It is coming. The, the, the thing you can do in the meantime while you're waiting is, is start, just show appreciation for maybe the small harvest that you are receiving. You know, and it might be small and, it, and maybe it's small, especially in proportion to what you've given. But that's because, again, you've got something coming later. But in the meantime, just start expressing those, uh, those, those, looking for those opportunities to express appreciation. That will develop within you uh, an attitude of gratitude. And, uh, and that'll be amazing for you. So a couple of, uh, a couple of closing thoughts here for you. Um, for the skeptic, for the skeptic. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you're really interpreting scripture quite right, Reverend. Uh, I know you went to Evangel, and you know, I know you're on at Mount Hope, but I'm not sure you're interpreting scripture right. So, so maybe you're a skeptic and you're just kind of processing this and you're thinking about this. Um, Galatians 6, 7 says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. And you are always planting. You're always planting. Be careful with what you connect yourself to. You know, I, uh, we lived in Seattle, Washington for a couple of years. I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, uh, you know, which is a small. We were in Ohio, then we went to Springfield, Missouri. Um, so I grew up in this sort of suburban type environment. When we moved to Seattle, I was downtown a lot. And... There's always, you know, in er particular urban areas, you know how this works, there's always homeless people. 
and they're always asking, you know, for a handout, or, or maybe they're not homeless, but just they're people asking for a handout. Well, I was a youth pastor, and so I thought, well, if we're going downtown, I better take a pocket full of change so that I can just hand that out as we go, because I don't want to have to take any big bills, and, and uh, I don't want to have nothing, because what if somebody sees me, and you know, why that pastor's not very generous? And so I would just always, time and time again, just hand out, you know, my change to these people. And then this one time, I was at the gas station near downtown, not, not in the area where you typically find this sort of thing, but close enough, and this guy, you know, comes to me, you've, you've probably heard stories like this before, or someone's, you know, approached you like this, you know, I'm out of gas, can you just give me, you know, some money so that I can get some gas, so I can get to where I'm going, and I thought, all right, you know, five bucks, didn't have any change, here's, here's the five bucks, and, um, and, and, and I pulled away, and he thought I left, but I didn't leave, I went through the car wash, and so I went through the car wash, and when I came out of the car wash, he came out, and he had his, you know, he had his smokes and, and a, you know, brown bag, which I assumed had, you know, some kind of alcohol in it, and I thought, you know, and that's a typical story, you know, I don't want to give to those people because I'm afraid they're going to spend it on alcohol and cigarettes, and this is one of those classic stories where that's exactly what he did, and, uh, and at first I was mad, I was like, oh, turkey, he took me, you know, and then it dawned on me, I just bought, I just bought, you know, beer or wine or whatever it was, I just bought alcohol and cigarettes for that man. I've never bought those things in my life, you know, virgin lips, like, I, I, I've never, like, never, never even touched the stuff, never bought it, never anything, but I just did for that man, and I thought, I need to hear from God before I go sowing seed, you know, I need to make sure that what I'm sowing in is what I should be sowing in, that doesn't mean I sit here and debate whether or not a tabernacle is of God or not, it is, <laughs> you know, but when it's someone or something that's unfamiliar, it's appropriate and wisdom to take pause, say, God, is this, is this your heart? You know, not, sh- again, it's not should I, it's is this God's heart? You know, because if it is, then the answer to the question is yes, you should. You know, and, and again, the question I ask myself is not, you know, should I, but how much should I? So for those who are skeptics, take heed to uh, Galatians 6, 7. You will always harvest what you plant. And, and when you don't sort of take that as your mindset, uh, according to the first part of the verse, you're kind of making a mockery of God, you know, and God won't be mocked. For the passive, you know, maybe you're passive here this morning. You're just like, okay, yeah, amen, that's good, it's good, all right, hey, thank you. That, that, that's, that tends to be my personality when I don't, you know, uh, and I see it in my kids, too. Like, they'll, they'll say the right thing, but they won't necessarily do the right thing. And, uh, you know, Isaac, go clean your room. Okay, all right, I'm going to go do that now. I go up there later. Isaac, he's just playing Legos. You know, we've got, my kids are really into Legos right now, so we've got a bazillion Legos everywhere. They're like little landmines when you're in your bare feet. It's horrible. <laughs> Some families with Legos. Yeah, oh, awful. And, uh, you know, so he's, he'll say the right thing, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go do that now. But he doesn't do the right thing. He's passive. He's passive in his obedience. He's passive in his attitude. He's passive in his understanding. And so maybe you're here today. It's like, okay, yeah, all, all right. Well, we will definitely think about that one. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Reverend. See in Lansing, you know. This is what the Bible has to say for the passive. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature, because that really is a sinful nature that would be lapse in obedience to God's word. You know, it's my son's sinful nature that would lead him to go play with Legos instead of obeying what I've asked him to do. It's our sinful nature that leads us to put off obedience for another day. If you're familiar with uh, the growing kids God's way principle, delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so when we, when we satisfy our sinful nature, we will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. <clears throat> decay and death. Decay, you know, rottenness, rancidness. You know, and for those in... in in this culture, this agrarian culture where they know all about planting, you know, seeds and letting the harvest come up. What kind of idiotic, 
Am I going to offend anybody with idiotic? What kind of idiotic farmer plants, lets the crop grow, and just watches it rot in the fields? You know? Well, maybe if there's not enough workers. The harvest is great, the workers are few. Um, so for the passive, I would say to you, don't be passive. Don't be passive. Because you're just, gonna, you're just going to reap a decaying, rotten harvest. And then you're going to be mad at God about it when really it was you all along and he warned you about it with this whole you know, principle of the harvest, the law of the harvest. But the good news is, for those who live to please the Spirit, they will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And I don't think that's just talking about going to heaven. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it is, but it's more than that. You know, it's this, it's this condition of your soul. You know, the condition of your soul is not just that it'll live in eternity, but it's the condition of your soul now as well. Um, one, of my, one of my life verses that, you know, I mentioned I grew up out of state, and we live really far away from our family. That's one of the reasons we like to come to Grand Haven, because what we'll do is we'll, we'll find a, a rental house in Grand Haven and then invi- invite the grandparents to come on up and spend, spend a week with us. And, and uh, you know, we get to do things that, you know, those of you that live close to your, your family, stuff that you get to do normally, we get to do on vacation, and, and it's fun, and, and, uh, and it's cool. And, um, but one of the verses I've, just claim, I've learned to claim over the years is that no one, it's Mark 10, 29, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children of or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. In the present age. I didn't even tell you about my brother. My brother's a missionary to Argentina. Uh, his wife is a missionary kid. Um, she grew up in the country of El Salvador. Some of you know the name Don Triplett. Uh, Don Triplett is her dad. Uh, he's, he's this crazy guy who... You know, he grew up as a missionary kid, but Don, you know, went off to Vietnam away from God, ended up in Life magazine with like a, some poisonous snake tied around his army helmet. And, and uh, I mean, just they did, a st- they did a little story in Life magazine on Don Triplett because he was just, he was hardcore, you know, but he was away from God. Well, and we know this, you know, you've probably seen this in people's lives, people that are extremely hardcore away from God. Once they get saved, they're hardcore crazy for serving God. Well, Don turned into that, and he, you know, was planting children's ministries all over, you know, the jungles of, of Nicaragua and, and, uh, and El Salvador, and now all over Latin America. So my wife, my brother's wife grew up in that environment. Uh, he grew up in a mi- ministry home, and now they're serving together in Argentina. We only get to see them every few years. It's weird. It's very strange, because uh, most recently when I saw my brother, uh, he pointed out my gray hair. I didn't have gray hair the last time, you know, some of you are like, you have gray hair. It, trust me, it's there. Um, it's hiding. I'm fighting it back, though. Running those five miles. <laughs> like It's not going to take over. It's going to be a crown of splendor, not a curse. Um, so, so it's weird that, that I don't get to be around my family. My parents live in Missouri. My dad works for the Assemblies of God. He's a missionary, raises his own support to connect uh, missionaries all over the world with youth aim trips, with uh, missions teams. Uh, my mom works at Evangel University. Um, it's very, very strange, and, and a lot of times I find myself going, Lord, when am I going to get to be close to my family? Uh, my parents are, are uh, getting ready to move into the neighborhood where my sister lives, and my cousin lives there, and they're all going to be together, and I, 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 some of you, I know you live that way now. Maybe you've got family in the area, and you've, you've been close to them, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little envious of that sometimes, but I always come back to this verse. No one who has left home, brothers or sisters, or mother or father, or children or fields, for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And, and there's a little parenthetical insert, but after that it says, and in the age to come, eternal life. I want to, the reason I love missions is because I love to invest. I love to invest knowing that I'm going to get a return. Maybe you've been beat up by the market. Maybe your retirement's suffering. Maybe your 401k isn't where it should be. Maybe the home that you bought can't, you know, that you're trying to sell won't sell. I, I get it. That's why I love investing when I know I'm going to get the right return. Has anybody seen the show Storage Wars? I was watching Storage Wars last night. I, I download them off the internet. Um, Storage Wars, it's these guys that they go to uh, uh, storage unit auctions 
like when a store like when a storage unit facility will have someone that you know has basically been a deadbeat on their their rent they they auction off their unit so these guys will stand around and bid on these units and the plan is always to make money off of what they buy in the unit like they'll buy a unit that has someone's belongings from their their home in it basically that they've you know they've it's been abandoned and uh but you never see the guy go, oh, cool, now we've got a bed to take home. Now, you know, and it's, it's stinky and stained, but we've got a bed now. You know, they never win this unit and then take the stuff and go, oh, good, we've got this stuff now. I just spent $1,000 on a stranger's stuff. I'm so glad I've got this stuff. No, they go th- tearing through it looking for what's valuable so that they can sell it off. And they'll make, I mean, last night, I, I watched it right before I went to bed. This guy made $30,000 on the contents of one of these lockers that he bought. 30 grand, 30 grand profit. Like, I think he spent 1000 bucks on the thing and sold the contents off for $30,000. None of, he didn't go there, he didn't go there just because he wanted to buy stuff. He went there to make an investment so that he could get a return. And he literally said at the end of it, he goes, man, I'm going fishing in Alaska. He's like, We're, he's like I'm going on vacation. He's doing it to make a profit. When you sow a seed, it's okay to expect something to come up. Why would I sow seed and not expect something out of it? You know, why would I go to work every day unless I was expecting a paycheck? Those of you that are in sales, why would you go to all those appointments unless you're expecting a commission? You know, it's okay to plant seeds and expect a return. For years, I didn't think it was okay. I didn't even put my name on the envelope when I would give at church because I thought, I don't want to be guilty of doing this for any other reason than obedience. You know? But if, uh, it, I, eventually I realized all I'm doing is just casting seed out there and I'm not really stopping to see if anything grows. Now, God honored my gift, I'm sure, and I'm sure some stuff was growing, but I didn't get to see it, you know? Now I, I watch and I wait, and the things I invest in, not like I'm a taxpayer or a, or a shareholder, but like I get to watch what comes up out of it. It's not my responsibility to make sure, to hold accountable, you know, the growth that takes place. I get to watch it, and I get to take part in the blessing. So for the weary, you're tired, you've been giving your whole life, you've been giving, maybe you're in a difficult season right now, and you're just tired. Galatians 6, 9, another one of my life verses, favorite verse of all time. Let's not grow weary in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. And I get it if you're tired. I get it if you can't handle another missions pledge. I get it if, well, we came from a church that was always in a building project, or we came from a church where you know, it was in debt and we had to lay off staff. I get that. I've been a part of stuff like that before. God's delivered me from it, and God's delivered you by bringing you to the Gateway Church. But, and, and Pastor Ben talks about, you know, this is just a temporary shell of a building. You know, this building is rental. They want to do something more permanent. You go, don't grow weary in doing good. And this verse is placed right in the middle of reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping, reverse order. And then lastly, for the satisfied. For the satisfied, Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Again, not should we give, but how much should we give. The Bible doesn't talk anywhere about retirement. Now, I'm not here to criticize if there's anybody here that's retired and you, you know, enjoy the lake in the summertime. Maybe, maybe you're just here. You're, maybe you're a snowbird. You're getting ready to take off, go down to Florida or something like that. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to speak out against the concept or the idea of retirement, but I'm just saying nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, after you've given and you've tithed and you've given emissions and you've supported and you've sown seed, nowhere in the Bible does it say, then you're done. Then you quit. Then you get to stop. So for those who are satisfied, you say, amen, this is all good. I've lived my whole life like this, but we're good now. The Bible says to keep doing it, keep going. For those who are satisfied, you know what I've said is true. You've practiced what I've said is true. You've been blessed because what I said is true. Keep going, keep giving. And here's how we're going to close. You might be here right now. You might be here today. You're just going, ah, 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 oh, ah, ah, I don't get any of it. I'm not sure I'm ready to receive any of it. And you would say the condition of your soul is such that you aren't in a place where you really can receive anything from God. Yeah, you can come on up and start playing if you would, please. There's an old saying. It goes like this. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. God has an amazing destiny for each and every one of you. 
no matter how discouraged you might feel right now, no matter how misplaced you might feel right now, no matter how frustrated with your uh, work environment or your marriage or your family or uh, living situation, God has a destiny for you. And it involves an amazing harvest that he wants you to reap. And it begins with sowing. And if you are here, there's another verse that that I I love. I put it in my notes because I didn't want to forget it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. You know, if you're here today and you're not a new creation, you would say, yeah, well, I'm better now. You know, things aren't as bad as they used to be. You know, I'm doing, uh, have you ever heard someone say of someone else, uh, we we have a ministry called a Teen Challenge in Lansing. And one of the things that I've noticed is that when people drop out of the Teen Challenge program early. It's a, it's, a, it's a discipleship program, and it specifically attracts those who have been struggling with uh, substance abuse, addiction, things like that. And one of the things that I've noticed people will say a lot of those who drop out early, they don't complete the program, they'll say, they're doing good. That means they're not doing good. You know? And, or, or y- if you know someone a lot, a lot of times you'll, they'll, you'll say that when it's someone who's, um, they're on parole or they're, they, they've been in big trouble and, and you'll say, they're doing good. All that means is, all that means is that the old habits are still continuing. It just hasn't exploded on them like it did the first time. It does. And so if your walk with the Lord is doing good and all that means is that you're a little bit better off than you used to be, but you're still continuing the same patterns and habits, I would say you need a transformation. The old needs to become new. And so today, um, I, Pastor Ben has allowed me to do this, but I, I just want to invite you to make things right between you and God. Um, in fact, if you want to close your eyes for just a moment, in just a second, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands just so I can pray for you. Um, yeah, go ahead and close your eyes. I, 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 this is to give those that want to make that decision a little bit of privacy. Because see, ideally, I would love to sit down with you one-on-one and just be like, hey, let's talk about the condition of your soul. You know, let's talk about, you know, are you really living a transformed life? I mean, do you really have a new life? Is something different about you? Maybe nothing's different because you've never given your life to Jesus. So for those who have never given their lives to Christ, I've asked everyone to close their eyes just for you. Because like I said, it'd be nice if we could just sit down privately and have this talk, but there's a bunch of people in the room and I'm not going to ask them to leave for you. But I will ask them to close their eyes. If you're here today, you would say, Josh, I, I need to, I need to be new. I want God to make me new. I want to give my life to Jesus. You know, maybe you, maybe you know these verses, but the book of Romans tells us that we're all sinners. You know, you're not alone in your sin. It's okay. Well, all of us have sinned. Um, it also says that that uh, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful to forgive our sins, that God will forgive us. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he was resurrected from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved! It's not just a word that, you know, Christian TV made up. It's in the Bible. You'll be saved from separation from God. You'll be saved from that harvest of decay and, and, and death. You'll be able to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and in the meantime reap a harvest here on earth of blessing. So if you're here and you've never had that transforming experience where Jesus has changed you, but you'd like to, would you raise your hand so that I can see again? I think I'm the only one looking around. Yeah, I see your hand. How many, are there more? How many more would raise their hand? Yeah, a couple of you around the room. How many more would raise their hand and say, Josh, I need to be transformed. I want the old to be done away with. I want new. All right, well, we're going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray a miracle prayer over your life, those of you that raised your hand. I'm going to pray a miracle prayer. This isn't a prayer that's written down in a a book of our, you know, uh, the heroes of our faith. It's not something written down in the Bible. Some monk didn't write it down in a monastery somewhere. This is just a prayer that's going to come from my heart. And I call it a miracle prayer because when you pray this prayer, a miracle takes place in your life. And if you'll follow through with things like discipleship, being discipled by a believer here in this church, reading your Bible, you'll discover that your life will, in fact, change. 
things, but it starts with this prayer. Make this your prayer. In fact, maybe everybody in this room could repeat this together so that those that are praying it for the first time can kind of just move on into it. So would you just, would everybody in the room just repeat after me, believers, and, and those who are about to be saved alike, just say it this way. Just say, Dear Jesus, I was wrong. You were right. I want you in my life. I want to sow good seed. Please forgive me of all my sins. Please pull up those weeds that are a harvest of decay and death. I don't want any more of that. Help me to plant seeds of faith. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you were resurrected from the dead, and I ask you to forgive me right now and give me a new life in your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's a big deal. Congratulations. Choir musicians, we're going to do our faith promises here in just a moment. And uh, you can take this time right now, and I would encourage you, because again, the question is not should I, but the question is how much. I know I've gone long. I, the story I was so excited about telling was, you guys can play louder because that'll make me talk faster. Um, two years ago, my wife and I were living in an apartment in Lansing. We owned a home in, in Genesee County in Fenton, which is right by Flint. Horrible, horrible place to own a home. Uh, we were renting it out, not getting enough rent to cover the mortgage, living in an apartment, knew that God had called us to Lansing, knew that God wanted us to do ministry there, but we just couldn't, and we had three kids at the time, and we're living in a two-bedroom apartment. We moved our bed into the living room, tried to pretend we're in a big hotel room, and, uh, and we just needed a house. We are just like, God, we will rent, we will buy if that's what you want us to do. We don't care. I would, I would literally look on Craigslist multiple times during the day looking for places to rent. I would drive to the homes and say, hey, I'm here to rent your house. Cash in hand, ready to go. Like, let's do the deal. And literally, that happened three different times. The landlord would look at me and say, yeah, I just signed the lease. Sorry. My word. Okay, see ya. It got to the, we did that for, from October to March. So however long that is, six months or so. And, uh, and my wife and I just decided, we were doing faith promises at our church, just like this. And, she, and, and I said to her, I said, we need, we need God to do a miracle. I can't. This apartment's driving me crazy, you know, and it's stressful. I've been to 17 foreign countries and traveled all over the world. I've, I've been in Paris in the middle of the night with nowhere to stay and no money. And I've never experienced anything more stressful than having three kids in about 500 square feet. It's the most stressful thing in the world. I said, we need to plant an unusual seed. And so we prayed. And I said, let's ask the Lord to give us a number. And as a couple, we need to be in agreement on this. I said, Lord, give us a number that we're going to give. And, uh, and I knew how much we had saved because it was coming to the point where we were just going to have to make a down payment on a home because the buying market was good. The rental market was super competitive. I thought, well, I don't want to buy, but I guess we will. You know, Because I got burned by the buy in the first, the first home was horrible you know gone down in value and I couldn't sell it couldn't refinance it couldn't rent it for what it was worth and I said Lord we're just going to plant an unusual harvest or plant an unusual seed and expect an unusual harvest so we prayed for a number the Lord gave me a number and I said okay and it was the biggest number he'd ever given me I was like taking deep breaths I'm going but I can do that God I can do that and he said well that's nice because I want you to double it double it only if we're in agreement. So I kind of played that card. Only if Jennifer's in agreement. So I went to Jennifer and I told her the first number. She's going, yeah, I thought that too, but then I, I felt like God told us to double it. And she was hoping I was going to say, no, 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 it's the first one. So I started crying because it was, uh, was $10,000. And um, I'm a youth pastor, you know. I, I, the only stocks I've ever bought have done poorly. And um, so we just said, okay, you know, and again, I thought I, I'm just going, we got to have money for a down payment because they're never going to finance us with this other home. Mortgage rules kept changing every day. If you're close to the industry, you know what I'm talking about. It, it wasn't like, oh, you're renting it. Like that rule changed for some reason. So basically we were just saying goodbye to the idea of buying a house. And I thought, well, we're probably going to rent. So we, we gave what little savings we had started really 
pounding our missions giving because again I wanted to give as much as I could as fast as I could and in my mind and really truth be known in my heart I was thinking we got to get this done soon so we can start saving up for a home and uh, so along with that though we made a list of everything we wanted in a home someone had advised us to do that I thought it was a little weird but I did it anyway well I just long story short she emailed me the other day just to remind me of that list and it's everything that we have in our home that we ended up buying ended up selling the other home everything that we asked for with that unusual seed was came to us I mean it, ridiculous I'm afraid for people to see my house because they're gonna wonder why the church pays me so much um, pray about your unusual seed and I'll turn it over there Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give my